like to welcome everybody on this chilly, frigid morning here in Whatcom County. If you're at home because of the cold, thanks for joining us online. If you have frozen pipes, we are praying for you. And to those of you that are brave enough to come out into the room, I'm glad that you're here. Thanks for coming to church today. As we get ready to kind of roll into this next week of our new series called Past, Present, Future, I just want to talk to you for just a second about something that we created, a resource that we created. It's called an audio guide, and you can actually find it. It's connected to this series, and they're going to put a link up there. If you go to ctk.link reset, you'll be able to find something called an audio guide. We actually rolled out two of them. We're having some technical issues with one of them, so we're going to focus on the one that's connected to the sermon series. If you click on the link, it's donation-based. It helps support the ministry of Jesus.net. And then what happens is basically you get a PDF of a 21-day devotional. But the fun part about it is if you decide to, you wake up in the morning, you put your AirPods in, you click go, and my voice carries you along for 7 to 10 minutes. And then I give you about 5 minutes to reflect on the things that we've talked about. And we talk specifically about what does it mean to reset with a new frame and a new perspective your past your present and your future. I hope it will be an encouragement to you. And if you want to kind of build out this series along with me, that's one way that you can go about doing it. So last week, as we kicked off this new series, we started with some questions. How do you deal with your past but not get stuck there? How do you become completely present in the sacredness of this current moment? How do you face your future without fear and instead choose dreams, hope, and faith? And ultimately, here is the question, will you say yes to God in resetting your perspective on your past, present, and future? This week, we're going to talk about our past. My past includes mullets and mistakes, rights and wrongs, up and downs, God moments, and grant moments. My journey in the past has been marked with scars and sin, grace and gratitude. I have memories from my past that make my stomach churn with deep regret and sorrow and other memories that make me smile and fill my heart with joy. Every human being in this room has a compilation of past moments that bring you to this instant. And it's impossible to put all of our past in the same bucket because they are as diverse as the people who live them. There are people in this room who have a past that included great parents, an inspiring childhood, a non-rebellious teenage session, and college years that weren't marked with bad decisions. There are also people in the room for whom that would have been an absolute dream. So with the challenge of so many different reflections on the past, what brings us together as people to the foot of the cross? Well, I believe it's this. We all have something. And if you say, I don't have anything, you and I need to have a talk. We all have something in our past. A moment, a decision, a choice, a compromise, a sin. And that moment causes us to fall prey to the tools that Satan uses against us in those moments when we look back. Because here's the thing, we know what we did. And if we're honest, we all have a moment that will cause us to stare at the floor and move the dirt around with our toe because we just naturally move towards self-condemnation. So let's begin here today, okay? Satan has two tools when it comes to your past. The first tool is shame. Shame says you are what you did. 
You failed, therefore you are a failure. You are wrecked and beyond salvage. You will never recover, and the mark on your soul will make you unworthy for anything good in this life. The second tool is condemnation. Condemnation says God might forgive them, but he will never forgive you. You are beyond pardon. The voice of condemnation accuses you and says you are simply the sum total of your worst moments. And both shame and condemnation leave you feeling utterly hopeless. I mean, me just saying those words, did you notice how it changed the temperature in the room? And I'm not talking about the cold outside. So let's address this together. And I'll start with me. So whenever I think of my past, I immediately move towards shame. It can be overwhelming to revisit past moments from our lives, and there's something very human about focusing on all of the places and moments where we sinned and failed. I don't know why it is, but can we agree together that it's so much easier to focus on the defeats than the victories? Well, my friend, I need to remind you of something this morning, and if you don't get anything else today, I hope you'll take this with you. I need to remind you, shame and condemnation come from the enemy of your soul. The enemy wants you to lose focus and knock you off the path that God wants for you. And Scripture says we have authority in us because of Jesus to resist him. We need to push back in the authority of Jesus' name. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Years ago, I heard a small saying that I pull out every time Satan wants to condemn me because of my past sin. The saying goes like this, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. If you don't know what the devil's future is, I'll tell you from Revelation chapter 20. It says, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever. And ever, and ever, and ever. And I'm not sadistic, I'm just telling the truth. That verse actually makes me go, okay. Whenever the devil reminds you of your past, you remind him of his future. Did you notice that little phrase in there? It says, and the devil who deceived them. Shame and condemnation are a spiritual deception for those who know Jesus. The opposite of deception is truth. So if the devil's lying, I want to know what God has to say. Anybody else with me? I want to hear what God has to say about my past. So here's what's amazing about Scripture. God speaks to both shame and condemnation in his word. Jesus knows the enemy's tactics. So he speaks to both of these manipulative tools. I just want you to sit underneath of the authority of the word of God as it is read over top of you and your life. And here's what you don't need to do. Don't try to put yourself in a different category. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And isn't that what makes God's grace amazing? (laughs) for you today. Isaiah 50 verse 7 but the Lord God helps me therefore I have not been disgraced therefore I have set my face like a flint and I know that I shall not be put to shame Psalm 25 3 no one who hopes in you will ever be put to shame but shame will come on those who are treacherous without cause 
Isaiah 61, 7. Are you ready? Here it comes. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor. You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and all God's people said, so you have the truth and, the, and you have deception. Here's the question. Who are you going to listen to? Can we admit that we spend too much time listening to the enemy talk about our past? Instead of listening to what God says about our past? Our ears are fine-tuned to hear that shame and that condemnation. Today we want to put a brand new frame around that. Who are you going to listen to? Will you listen to the truth of how God wants you to be free from shame and condemnation? Or will you allow the enemy of your soul to tear you down, hold you captive, and keep you from all that God has for you? You do have a choice. Choose wisely. So let's get personal. The hard reality for me is when I think about regrets from the past, ashamedly, I have no shortage of examples. I did not have to go looking far to think of personal examples in talking about this topic. If you want me to stare at the floor in shame and condemnation, all you have to do is ask me about misguided priorities and people-pleasing. That will make me cry. Because the truth is, too many times... I chose my work and my need to be needed over my family. In making the choice to make other people happy, I actually stole attention and focus from my own flesh and blood. I will never forget a moment. Many years ago, when Braden was about five or six, and he came up and stood by my chair, and he said, Daddy, and I responded and connected with him. But after he was gone, I remember Laurel saying... You know, Grant, the really sad thing is that you don't even realize he called your name at least five times before you even knew he was there. You know why? Because I was too busy doing church work in my brain to notice my own kid was calling for me. I was distracted, detached, and truthfully, I put it all on Laurel's shoulders to bridge the gap and hold it all together. Oh, and I had some really good excuses. I was doing God's work, but the truth is I was completely neglecting God's call. You see, I was called to be a husband and a dad before I was ever called to be a pastor, but I chose the wrong priority too many times. And I know these are strong words, but they're truthful. I hate that part of my past. When I failed in my calling as a follower. And now I've got a choice. Just like you have a choice right now. I can sit in that shame and be frozen. Or I can listen to what God said. Claim the promises of God. Make different choices today. Make it right with the people who were affected. Cry out to God to make sure that I never go back to that again. And reclaim this moment with passion and with focus. The enemy's going to say, Grant, you are just a failure as a father. It's never going to change. I can listen to him or I can hear my heavenly father say, let's start again. Today. 
We all need to know this. Satan has a strategy when it comes to our past. And we can resist and respond under the authority of Jesus' name. My friends, we've all got a past, but we don't need to get stuck there. So how do we not get stuck? Well, Satan's got tools. God's got better tools. And he's made them available to his children today. God has tools when it comes to reframing your perspective on the past. Because here's the truth, right? Let's be honest about this. You can't reset your past. You, you can't go back and do it over again. Wouldn't it be nice if it, we could? If we could just rewind to that moment and change the answer from yes to no, wouldn't it be nice if you could zip back to that moment in the chair and the second your kid called your name, you went, hi, what do you need? You can't go back and do it over, but you can reframe your past. So when I do funerals, I often come to a moment in the memorial when I say this. I say, okay, here's what you need to do right now. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture your loved one. And everybody in the room closes their eyes and they picture their loved one and I say, so here's what you need to know. That picture you have in your mind, that's a gift from God. It's a beautiful gift from God. Now you have to pick a frame. And depending on the circumstances, I tell people, you can choose a frame of anger because maybe you're angry at God for the way your loved one passed away. I say, you, you could pick a, a frame of injustice or life's not fair or regret or frustration because your loved one is gone. You, you, can, you can do all of those things. You can pick those frames if you want to. But here's what I'm going to tell you from experience. If you pick a negative frame, it's only going to make you bitter. And then I give them another option. I say, or, or... You can choose a frame of love or hope or change or better choices. You can choose other options that will allow you to live with purpose and that will ensure the legacy that your loved one left in you and that's what will live on. So right now, if I was talking to you about your past... And I said, close your eyes. What do you picture? I promise you, most of the people in the room would struggle to find something positive. But you can pick a different frame. We all have a past and we can picture the shame and condemnation and the memories. But God wants us to put a new frame around it that acknowledges our past, but doesn't allow us to take up residence in a part of life that we can't change. So what are God's tools in dismantling this shame stronghold? Let's start with this. Tool number one, our father-given promises. Father-given promises. Your father in heaven doesn't want you to dwell in the past. Some of you have heard these phrases before. They are not original to me. You know what God wants you to do with your past? He wants you to make your mess, your message, and your pain your platform. Jesus wants you to transform your perspective on your past, and that starts with a foundation of truth that presses back against the deception. And that means we need some more truth. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says this. 
This is God talking to you right now. Even though you've got this picture in your mind from your past that, that may be tainted with shame and condemnation, this is what God says to you about you and for you. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Sounds too good to be true, Grant. I didn't say it, God did. <laughs> For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. God said, and I don't know how this works. Let's just put it in the God category. God said, I'm going to choose to not remember. God said, I'm going to cover your past with so much grace and mercy that it can't be seen. There may be some consequences and some wounds, but there will be a covering for their past. We're going to talk more about that next week. God said this in Isaiah 65, 17, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things will not be remembered or even come to mind. God said, as he describes himself and his character and his position towards you and your past. So I want you to, to, to picture this in your mind with me. So you show up in front of Jesus and you've got all of the stuff you've ever done wrong in a box in front of you. Very often we get it so messed up because we think the posture of God towards us is, really, are you kidding me? Not good. That's not true. Listen to this description of the posture of God towards you, no matter what you bring in front of him. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. It doesn't mean you won't have to do some hard work to heal from your past. It doesn't mean you won't have to go back and make some amends. It doesn't mean you won't have to battle. It doesn't mean that there may not be some emotional wounds. It doesn't mean that there may not be some broken relationship. It doesn't mean that the insecurities you feel about your past are suddenly going to vanish. It does mean that all of that work, all of those battles will be fought under the covering of a God who seeks healing for your past and hope for your future. He's the only one who can transform your insecurity into a godly confidence that will break down the prisons of shame. So we've got father-given promises. By the way, I only read you a few. Could have picked over 80. Probably should have done them all. It's a cold morning, would have kept us warm, right? We have father-given promises, and in addition to that, we have a spirit-given perspective. I love 2 Corinthians 5 because the, the Corinthian church was messed up. They were messed up. And God's graciousness towards them is incredible. 
2 Corinthians 5 says, so from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Here it is, here it is. Listen, don't miss this, don't miss it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. Underline these next words if you're following in the outline. Not counting people's sins against them. You know, when I think that God doesn't hold my past against me, I I struggle to comprehend that. I mean, how can that be? And the only response I can come up with is, I'm not sure, but I'm really thankful it's true. Here's what's amazing. The spirit-given perspective is one of gratitude. And I know some of you may struggle with this, but I want you to stick with me for just a second. What if today we made the choice to no matter what we've done, but we look back at our past with gratitude? God gives us an invitation to do exactly that because he said all things are becoming new. There's a process inside of us. So what if instead of dwelling on your past, poor decisions, bad choices, and allowing shame and condemnation to wreck you, what if you started with prayers of gratitude to shift your perspective? Listen to these simple one-line prayers. Oh, I just want to invite you as I say them to join me in your heart. Join me in saying these, no matter what you have behind you. I wonder what would shift if we started praying like this. Jesus, thank you that even though I sinned in the past, your mercy is greater than my deepest sin. Jesus, thank you that you never gave up on me. Even though my past is covered with wrong choices, you never stopped searching for me. What about Jesus? Thank you for the lessons you graciously taught me in the worst moments of my life. What about Jesus? Thank you. Thank you, because this is what I know. If I'm not dead, you're not done. Oh, Jesus, thank you for remaining faithful to me, even when I was unfaithful to you. How about Jesus? Thank you for the promise of giving us wisdom and discernment in the moment when I need it. Thank you that, that we're not in the decision-making alone. What if we said, Jesus, thank you that my past is not the end of your story. Thank you for a new beginning and a new day. Thank you for a fresh opportunity to live in this moment and receive healing for my past and hope for my future. Some of us have never, ever done that before. We've never shifted the frame, taken a new perspective, and said, I'm going to do this differently. Some of you aren't convinced. You're just going to stay in the way that you've dealt with the past. Can I ask you a question? How is that working for you? What if we shifted? What if we started to say thank you to God for his faithfulness to us, even when we were walking away? 
So I shared this story in the audio guide. I've shared it here at Christ the King before. I've actually had this happen multiple times. I was invited to speak at a youth retreat, and the, the topic was defeating shame. And just so you don't um, age yourself out of this one, um, young people deal with shame, older people deal with shame, everybody deals with shame at some level. So the kids that came to that particular retreat, they all brought their shame with them as we all do. And just so you know, it doesn't need to be that way. In fact, can I make an invitation to you? You can leave your shame at the door today if you want to. You don't have to take it home with you. That's your choice. But we're in this room where this gathering was happening and, and there was a cross and this always happens, the cross inspires me. So I preached this message. I did everything I could to try and help kids understand you don't need to live in shame. That's not how God sees you. And the cross was in the room and, and the students are there in front of me and we come to the end and, and I've got a conclusion planned and as always happens, even though I have a conclusion plan, God often just says, nope, we're doing this. And as we're talking about shame, I've got, this song, I've got these lyrics from an old song from the 1980s running through my head and I can't get it out. And I'm like trying to focus, like trying to get through these lyrics of this song. I'm like, God, I don't, like I'm trying to concentrate here and you keep like dumping this stuff into my brain and it's like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to do something with that. Duh, right? I started to actually sing over them. I'm not gonna sing today, but these were the words that came out. Can you hear me, brokenhearted? All you prisoners of your past, come and find your freedom at last. There is mercy for the memories that holds you in your pain. Come and stand in the cleansing of forgiving rain. For as far as the eastern sky is to the west, and as deep as the ocean's deepest depths, your sin has been carried by a God who forgives and forgets. So come find mercy for the memories and the rest. I thought I could stop there. God stuck a second verse in my brain. He said, all you hiding in the shadows of innocence you've lost, Come and find your healing in the shadow of the cross. For as far as the eastern sky is to the west, and as deep as the ocean's deepest depths, your sin has been carried away by a God who forgives and forgets. There is mercy for the memories. There is mercy. For the memories. Come find mercy for the memories and rest. When I finish singing, I open my eyes in this group of young people. 
had gathered at the front of the room, all on their knees with their hands stretched to heaven, and I got to witness something. I watched a wave of grace and mercy just wash it all away. And we stayed and prayed for hours because of how beautiful God's grace was. And my heart was filled with so much gratitude. I remember just standing there, tears streaming down my face, saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that there is mercy for the memory. I want to give you a moment to just sit quietly because today you have got to make a decision. And I don't want to let you out of here without this decision being made. You have two options today. You can take your shame with you and let it drag behind you like a weight all week long. You can sit under the condemnation, you can listen to the enemy, or you have an alternative. You can say, Jesus said, I'm free, so I'm free. You can say, Jesus said, I'm forgiven, so I'm forgiven. And every time I feel that shame and condemnation, instead of just sitting underneath of it, I'm going to choose another way. I'm going to start thanking Jesus that he never gave up on me. I'm going to thank Jesus that he's strong enough to carry all of my sin to the foot of the cross. I'm going to thank Jesus that I'm still here. And I'm going to use today to honor him. So we're going to pray and I'm just going to let it be quiet for a moment. You need to have whatever conversation you need to have with God. I'm going to have my own conversation today. And then the worship team's going to come and join me and we're going to sing together one more song that I think will just hopefully seal this for each of us. Would you pray with me? So as we leave the room just quiet today for just a few moments there is mercy for the memories as far as the east is from the west so far has he removed our transgressions from us talk to Jesus right now and simply tell him what your choice is his truth or shame and condemnation. I pray that you'll choose his truth. Jesus, thank you that the blood that you shed on the cross for each one of us defeated our shame. We thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied to our past and that it is covered beautifully, that we can live free, hopeful, hope-filled today. So God, I pray 
that for each of us that needs to surrender that moment, whatever it was from our past, God, may we know that we're placing it in your good hands today. Thank you, Jesus, that our past is covered. Thank you that you are greater than all of our sin. We thank you today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, we're going to close today with, with a song of declaration because these things need to move from our head into our heart. So I'm praying for what I call that 18-inch drop. Well, you can know it all up here. It doesn't mean anything if it doesn't work its way here. So church, would you stand with me with Eve in the choir? And we're going to make a declaration today of God's faithful hand covering our path. Let's worship together as we close.